0: Welcome to Champion Church of the Nazarene's weekly sermon podcast. Each week brings a new message that looks to invite you into a new life brought by Jesus Christ. We hope you were inspired and changed by God by the message brought by today's speaker. take your Bibles and open them up to the Old Testament book of 1 Kings. 1 Kings chapter 19 this morning. And uh, as you're making your way there, uh, there are several, I I hate to use the word characters, uh, but there are several individuals in the scriptures who I just absolutely love. Um, and we're going to be talking a little bit about Elisha uh, today in the next couple of weeks, and he is one of them. But my all-time favorite character of the Bible, other than Jesus, um, we got to put Jesus first, of course, other than Jesus is the character of Beniah, And if you don't know the, the guy Beniah, he was one cool dude. I mean, if you're willing to chase after a lion and find yourself in the pit with a lion on a snowy day, then you, you are my kind of guy. You are what we would call a man's man. And uh, he is my, just my, he, his mention in the scriptures is very brief. He was one of David's mighty men, uh, but uh, he's just, I just, I just kind of find a camaraderie uh, with him. I also uh, love Elisha, and that's who we're going to be talking about uh, this morning. In 1 Kings chapter 19, uh, we see the reality that Elijah is fleeing Jezebel, and he gets into a place, uh, just paraphrasing here, to, to the point where we will pick up the scripture, where the Lord speaks to him. And encourages him to go and to anoint Elisha, the son of Shaphat, uh, to be the next prophet, to be his successor. And so, in 1 Kings 19, beginning at verse 19 uh, this morning, and if you would please stand, if you're able, for the reading of the word. We read these words. 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 19, it says, So he, speaking of Elijah, departed from there and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen in front of him, and he was with the 12. Elijah passed by and cast his cloak upon him, and he left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, Let me kiss my father and my mother, and then I will follow you. And he said to him, Go back again, for what have I done to you? And he returned following him and and took the yoke of oxen and sacrificed them and boiled their flesh with the yokes of the oxen and gave it to the people, and they ate. Then he arose and went after Elijah and assisted him. Father, we thank you today for your goodness. We thank you for your call. We understand, Father, that you call some into uh, separated pastoral ministry, evangelistic ministry, but the reality is, Father, that your call is for each and every one of us and that you are calling today, and I pray, Father, that in in these uh, few brief weeks that we would hear clearly again your call for each of us individually as well as us corporately, we thank you in advance for what you're going to do. I pray that we would have ears to hear what you are trying to speak to us and to our spirits today. For it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated this morning. <clears throat> Many of us, most of us, know and realize and believe that God is calling us to something more. There has to be More than this feeble life that we are living, but we don't know where to start. And throughout these uh, three weeks, I believe, I'm going to attempt and hope uh, to challenge each of us individually as well as corporately uh, to leave our lives of good enough Uh, This might be a little bit on the edge, but uh, I believe that the Church of Jesus Christ, especially in the days in which we live, has settled for good enough. And Christians all over our nation and perhaps our world have settled for good enough when God himself is calling each and every one of us beyond good enough. We, we somehow have gotten to the place, and I've seen it in, in the many places that I've been, where folks have somehow bought into this, and I don't even know where it has come from. I don't know who, who began it, but, but this idea that God has saved me, I'm ready for heaven, um, you know, I know that that's where I'm going to go when I pass from this earth. So until that day, I can just rest. <laughs> that is anything but the truth. The reality is that you are here because God is not done with you yet. Whether you, and and I've said this before and I've used the analogy, I don't care if you're five years old or 500 years old. I've never run into anyone 500 years old uh, when I've said that. It doesn't matter your age. It doesn't matter your occupation. It doesn't matter the level of your education. If you were still breathing oxygen this morning, God is not done with you on this earth. There's still a plan. There's still a purpose for you. And we have to leave our lives of, well, it's good enough, and embrace a life that is greater. And um, hopefully I'm going to use the story of Elisha to illustrate how God, especially this morning, God has issued three invitations to each and every one of us here today. First of all, God invites us. And I just want to stop there before I I relate this first point. Think about it for all. Of, of eternity the God of the universe who spoke everything into existence he doesn't need us he doesn't he doesn't need me unless he needs someone to mess stuff up I can do that God doesn't need us but in but in but in the reality is he still he invites us because he loves us First of all, God invites us. How many of you like to be invited? I like to be invited. I like to go when I'm not invited, too. (laughs) I've never been there. Um, But we like to be invited, and this morning, God is inviting us. First of all, he is inviting us to a higher calling. And so in verse 19, we read, Elijah Uh, receiving the word from the Lord to go and anoint Elisha, the next prophet. And it says that he departed from there and he found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen in front of him, and he was with the 12th. Elijah passed by him and cast his cloak upon him. Most of us are not in danger of ruining our lives most of us face a much greater danger. And that greater danger is wasting them when there is so much potential, especially for the Lord. You see, Elisha, in her passage, he wasn't searching for anything. He was just out there, get this picture in your mind. He was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen. And he himself was driving the 12th. First of all, the site wasn't a panoramic skyline view. Secondly, the smells. As my family would say, as we would pass by dairy farms and things out in the rural areas, that's just country air. Elisha wasn't searching for greater. You see, we we have this mistaken misnomer that in order for God to use us, we have to be great. We have to be the best. We have to be at the top of the top. The reality is God uses the ordinary to do extraordinary things. Elisha wasn't searching for greater when he was invited to a higher calling. He was just simply plowing his fields when Elijah passed by and cast his cloak, his mantle upon him, signifying the calling of God was passing on to him. God's greater calling, as we see with Elisha, happens in just a moment. But the response that we have can take longer than that. And it requires something of us. God's calling requires us to follow a person, not a plan. It's not a strategy. God, I believe today, is passing by just as Elijah did passing by his church that bears his name and in a metaphorical way is passing a cloak onto each and every one of us he is calling us he's inviting us into this wonderful plan that he has it happens in just a moment but our response takes a lifetime i was saved in 1986 june 1986 I was sanctified uh, in June of 1993. I've I've been around a little bit. I've been in the church all uh, close to over 30 years. I've been uh, I felt the call of God on my life into pastoral or evangelistic ministry in 1996. I can still remember the day that that Teresa and I were or uh, down at the Broadway Wharf in East Liverpool, Ohio and and uh, we were I don't I don't know if we were engaged then or not but uh, we may have been just dating and 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 uh, we were down there and and I said to her those fateful words I think God wants uh, me to be a preacher <laughs> and I didn't know her response but uh, as you can tell uh, she uh, she has been with me as the as the pastor said as Pastor Larry said better or worse I got better she got the worse <laughs> uh, but the reality is God's calling it happens in a moment I can still remember it uh, going to the pastor at at the West Point Church and uh, saying man it's, it's God's call I feel like something and and, but I just don't know what. And uh, then he said, well, maybe God's calling you into ministry. And I said, that cannot be it. I'm introverted. I don't like to speak. I'm not going to talk in front of people ever. Don't tell God what you're not going to do. Because that's exactly what he's going to make you do. But the reality is, over these years, there have been many strategies, many plans that have come and gone. But the only person that I follow is a person. You see, God is inviting each of us to escape the same scenery of defeat, of negativity, or even that of material possessions. And we, we think that God is calling us, and we automatically get into our minds, okay, I'm going to be a missionary in Africa. The reality is God might be calling you to greater in the neighborhood in which you already live. He doesn't mean that doing something different, perhaps living where you are with greater kingdom, purpose, and passion. Think about it for just a moment. Think about your neighborhood. Think about the people that live beside you. How intentional have you been uh, to influence them for the kingdom of God? Ouch. We live in a day and an age when most folks don't even know their neighbors. The reality is that when we really accept the call of God on our lives, yes, he might call us to some other place, to some other land, But more often than not, he's calling us to live with a greater passion and purpose for him where we already are. Because I can guarantee you, I don't know where each and every one of you live, but I can guarantee you that there is someone in your neighborhood, in your vicinity in your vicinity, who does not know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And it might be that you are the one that is going to introduce them to the greatest decision that they will ever make simply by living out the calling that God is inviting us to. God invites us to a higher calling. Life isn't supposed to be monotony, just do what you do and get on with it. God is calling all of us to something more a higher calling. Secondly, God is inviting us to a deeper surrender. You see, when when Elisha, back to our passage, uh, accepted God's invitation to a greater life, he left nothing for himself to go back to. He took the oxen that he was just plowing behind, slaughtered them. The farming equipment that he was just using he burnt them now he fed his uh, he fed the, the people of the village there with the meat, but he left nothing to go back to. he left no ties behind him. Elisha accepted God's invitation literally by burning everything that tied him to his previous life of good enough you see. God doesn't wait for us, for you and I, to be ready to accept the invitation to deeper surrender. He wants us to burn everything that would draw us back, that would tether us to the world behind you and fully trust him as we move forward into what he has for us. We sing the song in the church, I've decided to follow Jesus, no turning back, no turning back, though none go with me, still I will follow, no turning back, no turning back, and there is that wonderful verse, the world behind me, the cross before me, no turning back, no turning back, the world behind me, the cross before me, no turning back, no turning back, that's wonderful and it's awesome. And we, then that's the pattern, nothing to behold behind us. The reality is the door of the world is behind so many Christians today. And yes, the cross is before them, but their hand is on the doorknob of the world. And, and just in case things don't work out so well here, just in case they run into a little conflict or a little bit of opposition, their hand is on the doorknob so that they can open the door and run safely back to the world. That's where the church of Jesus Christ in many ways is today. They can't walk and march into the greater that God has for them because their hand is on the doorknob of a door that is supposed to be slammed shut and unable to open again. We have to let go of the things that are behind us. The apostle Paul says, this thing I know not these 50 things that I dabble with, to leave it behind me and to strain for what's in front of me. That is what we have to do, and we do it through a deeper surrender to Jesus Christ. We, We talk about sanctification and holiness and holy living. We need a revival of that in the church today. That meant something, that means something. What are the plows today that God wants you to burn? What are the things that are keeping our hands on the doorknob that leads back to the world? Perhaps we're dependent upon something. Perhaps it's a a way of thinking. Perhaps we're trapped with bitterness or resentment or material possession or excuses. We, We see the state that the church of Jesus Christ is in and and, and in many ways, it's, it's heartbreaking. Churches are closing permanently. Churches that used to run uh, three digits are barely making 30, 40 people. And we have the, the, the wonder to what's happening. And, and, and immediately, well, it's the culture. It's the culture. People just don't, don't want anything to do with it. It's the culture. And there's a little bit of truth of that. And there's so many other things that we can say. But could it be, could it be, and I'm just wondering out loud, I don't know the answer. Uh, could it be that one of the biggest reasons that the Church of Jesus Christ is in the place that, is, that it is in is because the G- Church of Jesus Christ isn't operating like the Lord wants and needs it to operate. In fact, the Church of Jesus Christ, in my opinion, in many respects is seeking after the cross, but the hand is still on the doorknob to the world just in case. Uh, we have to try this. We have to do this. God is calling us to a deeper surrender. Whatever happened to the tears shed on the altars? Whatever happened to the lives changed forever in the services? Whatever happened to that? The, that? Those are more and more becoming the exception and and it's just becoming commonplace and so many times it's being coming accepted we have to make the decision to truly leave the world behind us placing the cross before us and truthfully no turning back if we're going to if we're going to truly embrace the calling that God has for us, think about Elisha. He didn't know what he was walking into. He didn't know what, what life was going to offer him in the days to come. He, but he did what he needed to do to break the ties for everything behind him, and he pursued after Elijah, yes, but pursued after God with everything that he had. That is what is going to bring revival in the church of the Nazarene today. It's not going to be awesome music, and we have awesome music. It's not going to be eloquent speakers, and we have eloquent speakers. It's not going to be wonderful programs, and we have wonderful programs. It is going to be men and women who seek after God with everything that they have and taking nothing less in return. That is what is going to bring revival. And we we begin to get there by a deeper surrender to him. What are the plows that God wants you to burn today? So God invites us to a higher calling. He's calling. He's inviting We just have to sometimes turn the noise off in order to hear him. He's calling us to a deeper surrender. And he's also calling us to do and to be about greater things. In verse uh, 21, let me me read this. And he returned following him and took the yoke of oxen and sacrificed them and boiled their flesh with the yoke of the oxen and gave it to the people and they ate. Then he arose and went after Elijah and assisted him. In John chapter fourteen, Jesus says that uh, that he does great things, and yea, we will do even greater things. Paraphrasing Jesus, and that's a misquoted, misinterpreted passage uh, of of scripture. Jesus didn't say that we would do greater things than him, but that we would do greater things through him and because of him. God wants our open-ended obedience to say, yes. God, I will follow you no matter what. No matter what. Accepting the invitation starts with a decisive break with everything that's tying you and I to a life of good enough. Let me close with this illustration. Uh, there was a pastor who had been in a church for many years. And the church had been in decline for quite a while and, and uh, he was about to to call it a career. He was intent on in his heart to stand up and present his resignation to the congregation. Uh, But he decided to preach one last service, asking folks about, you know, joining in the need. We have a need. And so he got up and he preached his heart out. And there was one family who had never been to church. And at the end, as the pastor was shaking the hands of folks, and they were leaving, um, the man who was, who, was a, who was a farmer, and, and he looked at like a farmer, bib overalls, denim, and everything. And as he was shaking the, the pastor's hand, and he said these words, the answer is yes. What's the question? And the pastor, you know, that didn't make any sense to him. And, and he went on, and the fellow went home. And the next week they came back, and the pastor preached his heart out again. And at the end, the pastor was back there standing, uh, standing uh, shaking hands, and the fellow, dressed very much the same way, grabbed his hand, shook his hand, said, Pastor, the answer is yes, what's the question? And again, it just it just shocked him. He didn't know what he was talking about. In the third week, uh, the very same thing, how pastor preached a message, his family was there, he was in the back shaking hands, the guy comes back, shakes his hand, grabs his hand. Pastor, I, I want to tell you the answer is yes. What's the question? And the pastor, frustrated, said, what in the world are you talking about? And the man said, well, you said in your message that when we decide to follow God, he will give us the opportunity to serve him in whatever capacity that he deems necessary. And he said, I'm just a simple man. I don't know much. I don't have much of an education. But wherever you want me to serve, the answer is yes. Now, what's the question? And that is the very same attitude that you and I need to have with God. The answer is yes, God. Now, what's the question? And we will see greater things. God invites us to a higher calling, a deeper surrender. And he's calling the church to more in these days. We have to have that mentality, God. The answer is yes. What's the question? Where do you want me to go? Just as Isaiah sees that wonderful vision, who will go for us and who shall we send? I can picture Elijah or Isaiah. um, Maybe not, but I can just picture him jumping up and down like the kid in the school that always knew the answer. Oh, 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 pick me, pick me. That should be our mentality